My name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. I just wanted to thank everybody who listened to the last episode on that I called Anime Inspired, which was about Western cartoons that were heavily influenced or inspired by anime, like Avatar The Last Dambrander. Notably, I left out Steven Universe. Sorry. I've never actually seen a full episode of Steven Universe. But, um, thanks for that. And the other thing I feel obliged to mention this time is <laughs> I will be moving and while there won't be any like disruption to podcast schedule at some point you will hear me from a new place from a new studio from all that fun junk um the podcast won't be moving anywhere the podcast is staying right where it is on the internet so to speak but you will be hearing me in a different setting, in a more controlled setting, dare I say. Don't dare I say anything, actually. But, um, I'm really looking forward to it. So, that said, why don't we get right to it, to what we're talking about today. And that is a show that I've actually referenced a lot in this podcast, believe it or not. And there's good reason for it. And that show is Outlaw Star. So, if you're watching Toonami in the 90s, they had these inspirational speeches that Tom would give, and they were and they were usually, um, some, I, I think a Toonami writer would write the speeches, and then Steve Bloom would deliver them as Tom, and they would take clips of all these different, um, what's it called, of all these different shows, and notably, the one that I remember the most is this one that I actually did a TikTok about before I decided not to show my face on TikTok and make it some sort of weird fucked up art experiment, um, but the, <laughs> the it, it basically started like, life can be hard sometimes, and it opens up 
with one of the more memorable shots from Outlaw Star. You can go look it up on YouTube. Um, but basically, it opens up with the main character, Gene Starwind, looking like he's. You're looking at him from the back, his back is in shadow, and he's watching as a spaceship takes off from the local spaceport on, um, I forget what his, on Sentinel, which is where, which is where you meet Gene in the, in the first episode of Outlaw Star. And Outlaw Star is, like, pitched as this, like, crazy space adventure, and it, and it is, and it has, Outlaw Star has some, has things that make it very, very unique and very, very of its time, but also things that are probably more forward-thinking than we ever thought at the time, and less... But, so, part of the... It, okay, let me rewind this for a second. Way back in a, bu a bunch of episodes, they talked about a show called Tenjo Tenge. And Tenjo Tenge is a weird show. Because what Tenjo Tenge is about, and what Tenjo Tenge plays with as a show, are two kind of interlocking but odd things. And what makes Tenjo Tenge interesting as a show, and actually also what makes Air Gear interesting as a show... Hilariously enough, they're both from Oh Great, the once hentai manga artist turned amazing normal ma shonen action, sometimes sports manga artist. But um, what makes those shows great is they're both about the underdogs of society. They're about people who grow up on the outskirts of not just society, but specifically Japanese society. And that's important. It's, I, I've said it in the Tenjo Tenge video, and I've just seen, I've probably just seen the, um, the Rare Earth video on, um, the, I think it's called, on, like, the Japanese version of the Untouchables, of the Untouchable class, I think they might even call them that. Um, but... There are people in every society who nobody wants to touch with a ten foot pole because they're just they're not there to be paid attention to, and people don't deem them as important. I, I I'm particularly sensitive to this because I'm physically disabled, and that gets looked at as a real detriment and a real problem. Um, but the long and short of it is, is that there's, uh, there is anime out there about people who are exceptional despite their circumstances, not because of them. So, um, the thing about Outlaw Star is, on one level, it is a show about, you know, a a fantastic space adventure to find a mystical space treasure that will grant the person who finds it first everything they've ever wanted and more. And but it's but what it's also about, and I find this to be really 
great because so much of sci-fi media, just to make it work, has to involve people of extreme privilege. If you look at something like Ghost in the Shell, this is really true. They address it. Act. They actually address it in um, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. There's a scene late into the first season where Matoko is talking to Bato, and I think maybe um, Ishikawa about the fact that the only reason they can maintain their cyber bo- their cyber body their um, prosthetic bodies their high end prosthetic bodies is because they work for the government and because they and the only reason that they'll be able to maintain them going forward is that they make such obscene amounts of money like per year or even per month that they will they are like of the billionaire class themselves because they make of at least the millionaire class probably themselves because they make just boatloads of cash for what they do and that that's one way of telling a story of one way of telling a story in like a cyberpunk um sci-fi world but it it doesn't give you a real view of what reality could look like in that in that like environment something that gives you a better view is um a show like no Guns Life, which is actually on right now, and is really great. I constantly need to catch up with that show, though. Um, and this show, Outlaw Star, because where there are shows about people going into space and all that stuff, generally speaking, those people come from a place of privilege, and they come from a place of, like, importance, if that makes any sense. Um... In Gundam, no matter how humble the pilot starts, they always get them very quickly to a place where they are, like, you know, uh, ranked high enough to do whatever they need to do, and there's nothing stopping them from just getting in their Gundam and going in space. Um, in um, a show like Cowboy Bebop, it's actually a lot closer to a show like um, Outlaw Star. And that's because in Cowboy Bebop, they're not uber-wealthy, you know, super-privileged people. They are bounty hunters trying to make a buck. And Gene Starwind, the main character of Outlaw Star, is very similar. When you meet Gene Starwind, he has been in space once with his father. Um, You find out later that that was a huge... that that space trip was compromised and that he got sent back to Sentinel without his own without his lone parent, his father, and it traumatized him to a certain extent. To not just a certain extent, to a real extent. And he hasn't been back up to into space since. But he's always fixated on going to space. And you know it, it, you find out later that that's kind of so he that that's basically so he can find his who who killed his father and get revenge but what you all, but from the minute go of this show 
you meet somebody who is, you know, the way he makes a living is he works odd jobs, he lives in a cheap-ass, like, freaking um, storage locker of an apartment. He, you know, he's not in a great place. He's not in, like, a perfect environment. He's not, there is no privilege to Gene Darwin. Everything that he has, him and his partner Jim have earned for themselves. And, but what's also really interesting is that, and I, I can think of other characters they do, that anime does this with, but in retrospect, as a teenager, seeing what I seeing the first episode of Outlaw Star, I did not comprehend the brothel scene. Um, but you do, like, it is there, and so, Outlaw Star poses the idea of there are three powers in space. There is the Space Patrol, which is run by the international government. There are pirates, who are, like, out for treasure and whatever they want to take. And then there are outlaws. And outlaws have a camaraderie, uh, are, are, like, comrades, but they also all are motivated by their own things. Some, pe- some outlaws are motivated by money, some people are motivated by adventure. It's all a different thing. But what... Outlaw Star does with that is the first thing they tell you when they introduce the concept of an outlaw in the show is they say, morality does not figure into this equation. And by episode one, I think like two or three scenes in, showing you our main character, the guy who's supposed to be the heart of the show, going to a brothel... It does some. It does something really interesting for the show. It says, you know, we're not interested in what you perceive as a good person. We're interested in what we want to write a main character as, and what we want to show a main character as. And in the but also in the brothel scene, it gives you a view of the kind of person Jim, Gene really is. Because Gene is not, he's this big, full of, he's this, like, big, boisterous, full of bravado person. He wears, he doesn't wear clothes that are, that stand out that much in the show, but he has, he has scars all up and down his body. Not, like, Vasha Stampede-level scars, but, like, let's say Vash-inspired-level scars. Uh, he, you know, he's known for being a really accomplished bounty hunter. He, he does jobs for people all over Sentinel. Um, and he, he, ha- he has a reputation. And he has a reputation among criminal elements, and he has a reputation among, like, the local bar owner of the bar he frequents. And he's, and the, the 
daughter slash waitress is clearly like head over heels wants she wants him bad. <laughs> and when you meet Hilda when you meet Hilda, I think in the second episode, you meet someone who is much like Jean, but who has been who has had the capacity to and the wherewithal to expand outside of where she started. And that kind of open that kind of blows Gene's brain wide open, so to speak. And he just is like, Whoa, whoa. I I ain't shit. Like like I can handle myself, and I can handle myself in this world, and I know that, but I haven't seen shit. And what's really interesting there is that it... When these kinds of shows get made today, you don't see characters like Jean very often. More often than not, you see characters like Kamina from Gurren Lagann, or you see characters like Kirito from Sword on Online. Because what I think what they were interested in doing with Gene Starwind was they were interested in showing a real person, showing a real guy, just a dude, a regular dude, who ends up being the protagonist of this, like, wild, crazy, space-faring, awesome adventure anime. And it it's fascinating because, you know, despite what... Despite what society wants us all to believe, things like strip clubs, things like working in porn, things like brothels, are not the ultimate evil. They are just cast like that. But, you know, um... And there are exceptions to, like, you know, this girl's being forced to be a hooker, this girl's being forced to strip, all this stuff. And there are societal things that break down at, that break down at a low level and don't allow people to get ahead in life without doing those things, without in, engaging in sex work or doing something maybe on the shadier side of illegal, um, of, of legality, rather. But just because those people do those things, just because, you know, somebody may run a gambling parlor, or somebody may, um, so somebody, somebody may strip, somebody may, you know, strip and sleep with clients in the private room. Um, just because people do those things doesn't mean they're bad people, doesn't mean they're reprehensible, it just means that they're that that their barometer is different than yours. It doesn't make it bad, it doesn't make it good, it makes it different. And just the writing of Gene as a character makes that very clear. He's not a bad person. Yes, he can be a jerk. Yes, he can be a doofus. Yes, he can be silly. But that doesn't make him a bad person. So often in other media, not so much in anime actually, but in other media, when people are portrayed 
have having the same qualities Gene Starwin has, they are like in the show is deriding it. It's it's saying this is bad. Don't do this. But in anime and oftentimes other me and and other media is catching up to this. Characters like Gene Starwin, characters like um, Spike Spiegel, t- characters like Vaughn from Gun X Sword, characters like Iki from um, Air Gear, are not super great, or not don't come off as great people. Would not would not make a great first impression. But the more you get to know them, the more they are. They have a moral center that is just as good and true as anybody else, but it's not It's not a traditional moral center. It's not a moral center that's obsessed with the appearance of morality so much as actual morality, if that makes any sense. And, you know, lots of... Lots of people would say, well, that, that person is very moral, period, because blah, 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 blah. But that's not true. You know, when someone says, like, oh, I've never watched porn, it, there are lots of people who be like, uh, I, I don't have an opinion on that. But many, 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 many people, I'd be willing to bet many more people would be like, that seems... That seems off. <laughs> because, like, it's one thing to do some, to not do something, just not do something. It's another thing to consciously not do something and, and like, deride the doing of it, if that makes any sense. If you, if you just, like, don't watch porn because you just never watched it, that's fine. If you don't watch porn and you deride anybody who ever has or ever will or ever does, then that's an adversarial thing you're putting out into the world. The difference with Gene is he functions a lot, he thinks a lot the way I think. And that is, you know, as long as, like, I'm not hurting anybody without cause, as long as I'm, like, not spinning the world out of control with my actions, as long as there's no harm that comes from this stuff without it being that directly anybody outside of my orbit, I'm fine. And as weird as that sounds, that's a sense of justice. You know, if, for example, you know, I don't care what people do. But I don't care how people get married. I don't care who you want to love. I don't care who you want to marry. It doesn't affect me. But what does bother me is when people who do care make people who want to marry someone other than a like a person of the opposite gender when they make their lives harder. That's not okay. Because why the fuck do you care? what somebody else does with their life. As long as it's not affecting you in a real meaningful way, as long as if some couple in Idaho gets, if some gay couple in Idaho gets married, somehow your mortgage expires and you lose your house, as long as that trend, 
situation doesn't happen, why the fuck do you care? It doesn't matter. You don't matter that much. I don't matter that much. Why are we pretending like we do? And that's kind of the perspective that Gene and, moreover, Outlaw Star, the show, has on the world. It's like, why should I care what's going to happen here if it's not going to, you know, hurt me or anyone else? And now that's not to say it doesn't like have plenty of action scenes and plenty and plenty of con- like rolling consequences for all kinds of things, like the McDougal brothers who like hunt G down again and again and again and again, and you meet these two characters. I think once, and then the second time you meet the other surviving character. That is that's totally fair game, but you know. There's no judgment of the char- of the characters on each other. There's no. How should I put this? There's no. There's no eye of morality in this show, which is really interesting. It it it, it wants to tell a story about someone who has to live life the way it's presented, and a group of characters who have to live life the way it's presented. And while they may have some prejudices, those get wiped clean once they're in front of them. Once those things are in front of them, and they have to deal with it firsthand. And I, I just like, I like the idea of a character of a main hero character who doesn't have to be like a moral center for the audience, and the audience doesn't have to look at as like an upstanding citizen that can do no wrong. They can look at, and they can look at as just as flawed as they are. And that, that, that to me is one of the secrets of Gene Starwind as a main character and why so many, especially young men, see themselves in him. Because he is what they are. He is flawed and troubled and you know, just sorting through things constantly. Just the way, you know, I was and still am a lot of times. Just the way most people are and still am. And actually, I want to um, play something right here that is a the interlude for um, the second episode. And it talks about, you know... Everybody had a dream when they were... It talks specifically about men. And I understand that some of my listeners are not men. <laughs> there's, a fair, there's a fair chance, actually. Um, I know for a fact. But if you take away the gendered quality of it, it's essentially saying everybody had a dream when they were a kid. And just because they grew up doesn't mean that they had to totally put their dreams aside. A boy has the right to dream. There are endless possibilities stretched out before him. What awaits him down the path, he will then have to choose. The boy doesn't always know. At some point, the boy then becomes an adult and learns what he was able to become. 
Joy and sadness forever will accompany this. He is confronted with a choice. When this happens, does he bid his past farewell in his heart? Once a boy becomes an adult, he can no longer go back to being a boy. The boy is now a man. Only one thing can be said. A boy has the right to dream. For those endless possibilities are stretched out before him. We must remember, all men were once boys. And it, I think the, the way you'd find it on YouTube is you type in a outlaw star, a boy had the right to dream. Um, and the whole show is punctuated with these little monologues given by a narrator. Um, but, and that's really, the plot of the show is the plot of the show. It's, they find a girl sleeping in a suitcase. She is the, like, navigator and, like, key to what they call the galactic ley line. And you find the galactic ley line and you get, like, a wish, you get, like, a wish from Shenron, basically. And what precedes that those first two episodes are the adventure and the trials and tribulations of finding the galactic ley line. Um, and there's like Tau magic involved, there's you know, space pop there's the like primary antagonist is um the head of a giant crew of space pirates. Um there are other outlaws that you meet throughout. But at core what the Outlaw Star is about and what Outlaw Star is made to focus at, is made to focus on is this character of Gene Starwind kind of come, truly growing up and truly coming into his own and coming out of just being like this hometown hero who never left home to being like a person out in the world and being like a being a, a source of strength and confidence that just being the hometown hero who never left home, you never really get. You, you, so let me put it this way. You never really have a chance to experience who you are as a different person, as a whole person out in the world, until you are totally out of your comfort zone until you're in a totally different environment. This is part of the reason why there's lots of growing up that happens in college. Because, for a lot of people in college, because it's an environment where you are, for all intents and purposes, an adult. Yes, you still have classes and all that shit, but you are basically an adult. Without the, like crushing reality problems of being an adult. And what that allows you to do is have some introspective thought, meet new people, reform yourself as you want to be, and find out if you're any good at it, and change it accordingly. Um, but in Gene's case, he never... Since he was ejected away from his father in space and sent back down to Sentinel-3. 
he never had the opportunity to leave Sentinel ever again. So now that he's leaving basically his hometown, he gets to see himself slotted into other places in the universe without any connection to what was. And this allows him to be to to become a different person, to become a less a, a more mature version of himself. And what's really nice is that he it's not that he it's not that he changes into an entirely different person by the end of Outlaw Star. It's that he is a more refined, more calculated, more mature version of the person he was. He's still the person who, you know, loved women, only now he has a focus on a single woman. He's still the person who, like, would ditch his friend as long as it meant he could ditch responsibility, but the responsibility of whatever his friend was asking him to do, but he would also say, I'll do it later, and then he would. It... It's just, Outlaw Star is worth more than you probably remember it being, and it is more interesting than I think a lot of people give it credit for, and also, like I said, it has a lot of prescience. One of the very prescient things is the dominant language of Outlaw Star and the dominant design style of Outlaw Star is heavily influenced by Chinese, by like Chinese visual culture, basically. And you see, you know, like 1990s Chinese inspired outfits. Um, the lingo is very, is very reminiscent of like Chinese, like, for example, there's a character named Asia Clan Clan. Um, it's not... Th there are also characters who are explicitly Japanese, like Twilight Suzuka, but they, they all the different cultures and different aliens exist in a place that is dominated, where the landscape is dominated by a clear Chinese East Asian subtext, if that makes any sense. Um, once again, I would point to the addition to the use of Tao magic everywhere. Um, another thing about Outlaw Star is, much like Cowboy Bebop, this is industrialized space that had been industrialized for a long time. Longer than anybody in the show had ever been alive. It is industrialized space that has been overpopulated, overbuilt. There are, in the second or third episode, I think the second episode, you they go to a asteroid called Blue Heaven that is its own whole community of outlaws and brothels and clothing shops and all this shit. Um, in 
uh, on Set Sentinel is this sprawling, insane city. Um, you go, you go to at some point they go to a hot springs planet. That and if you've only if you've only ever seen this show on Toonami way back when, and you're like, wait, what hot spring planet? Yes, hot spring planet. They went to a hot spring planet. That ep- that particular episode was removed for the Toonami broadcast because you straight up see Asia naked. <laughs> they actually cut they cut around Asia a lot be- because she is without clothes fairly often sometimes. <laughs> but um there's all these like super industrialized planets and the ley line ends up I think being in a like pretty new frontier area. Um but also space is like a transit area and you like you see spaceships like fighting and you see this and so now we've come to the part that is I think really interesting and that's the mechanical design. The mechanical design for Outlaw Star is like what if we made this cool smooth like almost sex toy looking spaceship and then put arms on it. <laughs> and the this in the show's terminology is what's known as a grappler ship and the grappler ship basically has uh, an amount of arms, usually two or four, that come out of it and it can, like, grab onto the other ship and, like, throw it aside or something. And it can, like, wield weapons like what a person might wield. Um, but it... The... The thing that I will say about the visuals of Outlaw Star, they, why they are really distinctive, the most beautiful part of the show is probably the ending sequence. And I, I say that with a lot of love. But this show has this, like, sharp, 90s, edgy style to it that just doesn't... just doesn't... doesn't always look great. It look it Outlaw Star, not just because of the letterboxing, but Outlaw Star because of specifically character designs. And a little bit of it's like, it's got that pastel-y, floaty background problem that lots of 90s shows have, but it's character design. We'll give it away every time as specifically a 1990s property. And the reason why I say that is because it, the characters have, like, sh- all the characters have sharp features. All the characters have, like, their anime hair. You know, uh, the uh, the costume designs are also super anime inspired, or uh, super anime esque. They're not. This is not like we're entering into the um, Lulu's dress from Final Fantasy X, like belt bonanza situation. This is more like we are entering into a. Like, everything is really sharp-lined, everything is really, like, pointy, you know, 
guns aren't just guns, they're anime guns with magic bullets that cost a lot of mon money and do crazy shit. And, um, although I will say, in glorious anime fashion, this show featured one of the best versions of a hot spring episode ever. It's, like I said, they go to a world that is a hot springs world, and they, where they have to give up their clothes and wear bathing suits to even enter the planet. <laughs> They're like, no, you don't get to keep your clothes. Give them. Here's, a swim, here's some swim trunks. Go have fun. And uh, among one of the funnier moments in that episode is they're just riding on a train and Jim's like, this is very strange. And then you hear over the loudspeaker, the train will be filled with spa water in three, two, and he's like, what the fuck? And then they flood the train cars with actual hot spring water. And he's like, why is this happening? It's really, it's, 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 it's a good time. That particular episode, I forget the number on it, is a lot of fun, and it's, it's a notable break from, like, this kind of action, serious tone of the show, and it, it feels like an answer to somebody in a production meeting somewhere saying, like, yeah, this is an anime in 1990-something, so it, we're going to need it to have a Hot Springs episode, yo. And, like, <laughs> maniacal plan was hatched, like, okay, they want a Hot Springs episode. We'll give them Hot Springs Planet, bitches. It's like Waterworld, but for Hot Springs. And it's... It, 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 that that particular episode is really fun, but um, and the whole show is really fun. So, and also thing I love because I can never tell. Sometimes this whole show is not just available, but like plenty, like really generally available. If you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch this with commercials. If you have a Funimation Now subscription, you can watch this without commercials. Um. And not in the way that you watch X-Men on Disney+. Plus, Where, oh god. So I don't know if I, this is a little tangent. I have started watching X-Men, the 90s animated series on Disney+. Plus Because it's there. And I can sing that theme song in my head forever. Um, they got the shittiest transfer of that show. There's, like, no still lines. They're all fucking shaking, like, they want to give you cerebral palsy. Um, and all of the ad breaks are baked into the freaking show. It's amazing. So it fades to black like it's gonna be an ad break, and it just fades back to the show. It's so bad. Um, but that's, that's a little tangent aside. But at least Alastar is available everywhere, more or less. Um, but if you're if you've never seen Alastar, I would totally encourage you to go check it out because it's as I'm sure you've gathered from my conversations about anime about anime inspired shows from last week and my conversation about 
um, uh, cannon busters from uh, but from like probably about a month, more than a month ago now. Um, definitely more than a month ago now. Um, Outlaw Star is one of those formative anime that was on Toonami at the right time, was in front of people's eyes at a at a pivotal moment at a really malleable moment in their lives that has changed the way a lot of you know anime creators and people like me look at the medium so at the very least go check that out for that reason it kind of drips badass in the same way that cowboy bebop drips badass although not as finely tuned um but it's still worth it's still worth a look if you're at all interested so definitely go check it out. It's on, like I said, it's on Hulu with commercials and Funimation now without commercials. I think those are the two places. I'm not sure though. Um, but yeah. So if you like this episode, definitely give me a rating in iTunes, five stars, um, or your pod. And you can find me in all of your podcast listening apps of choice. Um, my name has been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchback Radio, and I'll talk to you next time. Bottom,